Hey everybody and welcome to the Health Tech Podcast where we talk about everything healthcare and technology. I'm your host, James Somaru, and this is your weekly Sunday session. Hey everyone, hope you have a great week this week. So for this week's Sunday session, I've got something a little bit different. So I've actually got a guest on for this week, and my guest is a guy called Kevin Rafferty. And Kevin is a doctor that I used to work with. So when I was an anaesthetist, Kevin and I used to work together. I think I don't think we were in the same hospital, but we were certainly in the same teaching groups and all the rest of it. I'm sure you clinicians will know what that's like. Anyway, so Kevin basically got in touch with me to say that he has got a VR device that he's been using for his patients and He's been doing all sorts of interesting stuff with it, particularly in paediatrics. And I guess without further ado, here's a conversation that I had with Kevin all about using VR in anesthetics. Cool. So Kevin, welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. How are you doing, mate? Hi, James. Yeah, I'm great. I'm doing doing really well this morning. Thank you. Awesome. Um, yeah, so dude, obviously it's been ages since we've caught up. Obviously, we used to work together as anaesthetist, well, sort of together, I suppose, in the same geography. So we caught up at what, teaching and a few other different bits and bobs in North Wales? Yeah, so I think we were the same same kind of vintage, but you were just in the, <laughs> the hospital, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> the same vintage, I like that. That's a great <laughs> phrase. Um, and obviously, so you you got in touch with me and, you know, pinged over the VR stuff that you've been doing and using VR in anesthetics. And yeah, you pinged over a device for me to have a go at, which is sort of like a Google Cardboard, isn't it? And yeah, you pinged over the app that you use and obviously with it being compatible to anesthetics and all this sort of stuff, I immediately could see the value and, and sort of what you're up to. But I guess in your own words, mate, do you want to tell us all what you've been doing and what you've been building? Yeah, thanks, James. So the the headset has been sort of since about 2016. Um, I first had the idea, um, and it is, as you said, a Google Cardboard type uh, VR headset, just simple, simple cardboard. And the invention of this product is that the bottom of the mask can then have pieces of Velcro in it that allow um, um, any mask, <clears throat> an anaesthetic mask, oxygen mask, nebulizer mask, CPAP mask, to be attached and then detached uh, to that mask and the the primary use that i could see for the mask you know from an anesthetic point of view was really the gas induction um of children and i think the yeah. age of the child could be any any child that is able to use use a phone um and i, I believe it does work <laughs> you know I'm <laughs> I can it. Uh, but any anybody that i've talked to that's got anything to do with anesthetics or, or pediatrics they said, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Because I think, um, I don't know your experience, James, but the, you know, phones are now, are you, are you, or tablets are, are sort of now ubiquitous pieces yeah. of technology. And I guess, so going back then, how are you using this thing? So obviously, I mean, I can, I can literally guess how you're using this, but mm-hmm. I, so I assume patient comes to the anesthetic room obviously there's loads of potential complications when people get nervous and worried mm-hmm. and concerned and don't really know what's going to happen and you can do your best at explaining and all the rest of it but i imagine 
then as soon as you, you know, put a mask on people's face and obviously having experienced this myself, things can get worse and heart rates can go up and blood pressures can go up and that mm-hmm. makes the anesthetic a bit more difficult. So I suppose anything that you can do in that situation to help people relax and help people, I don't know, take them take themselves out of that environment to somewhere a bit more chilled out and and, and stuff is is welcomed. So I imagine then putting a putting those people into a VR environment with a mask is what you're up to and, and putting them into that place. And and I suppose what you're saying with it being in pediatrics is that for adults, it's one thing having that sort of relatively traumatic experience of um, of an anesthetic room and worrying about the surgery and, and everything. But obviously in kids, it's a dream in order to get them to sit in one place, even to yeah. I suppose even have a cannula or to then, you know, take a gas induction where, you know, for those listening, you know, you might not be using anesthetic drugs into the vein to anesthetize. You might just be anesthetizing using gas. And so you have to make sure the mask is pressed on the face and all these things. And so, yeah, talk to me about kind of, I guess, the very practical bits of how you actually use it. Yeah. So the, the best way that I think of this device is used in pediatric dental anesthesia. And I think that's the most common a uh, reason why a child would receive an anesthetic. And in, in my clinical experience, the the most common method of, of inducing a child is with is with gas induction, with you know, going to sleep with the mask as opposed to getting a cannula in the vein with the drugs. Yeah. So the the perfect scenario for this <clears throat> is that whenever the nurse or the dentist, whoever sees the child and says, Oh, you need your teeth out or you need a dental procedure ca- carried out. Um, that that healthcare practitioner would then introduce the headset and the mask all as one thing, and then oh, either I watch see. a Pokemon video or uh, you know or the little app that, that that I've done, and then they just you just play with it, um, and then they've already accepted the mask and the headset as one thing, mm. and then that gets taken away from them, sort of you know to keep the novelty of this of this item. And then whenever that child, so that this may be a week before, a day before, whatever, or maybe a couple of hours before. Oh, I see. Possible. And then whenever the child would come into the anesthetic room, I would have, you know, hope to have a conversation with the mom or dad and the child, you know, out before, chat about what we're going to do. And then whenever they come in, I re- would reintroduce that mask to them. And I think that the, the, the thing that I really want with this headset would be that the child puts the mask on their own face because if they want to see the video, the mask is on their face. Yeah. And and that's, I think that, that that's my key. That That's why there's no, everybody asks oh, why there's no straps or why there's no, you know, holders for, for the mask, but that is completely against of what it does. And as you know, if you have a, a good seal on the mask, if, if the child is anyway cooperative, you need to help them hold that mask for yeah. 10, maybe 30 seconds, and then the child's asleep. And then as soon as the child is asleep, then the, the, you just detach the, the top headset, um, and then you, you carry on with your anesthetic as, you know, as normal. Um, and, and, and that's really it. And then post-operatively, it can be used in recovery again, watching Peppa Pig or Power Rangers <laughs> or whatever the kids kids are watching this week, um, and then they can they can hopefully chill out again in recovery. And then in this age of coronavirus, this this is a cost effective toy in essence or or distraction aid um, for for the child to to take home, um, and it can be used with any smartphone, any you know Android or Apple. Um, and it, you know, it's single, single patient use. 
You know, it's funny, mate. I, I actually wrote an article for Forbes the other week uh, or the mm-hmm. day. It was relatively recently on VR yeah. in healthcare. And um, I was talking about things like using VR for training, using VR for sort of the virtual clinician who could then see a patient with a headset and it beam back to everybody else and all these sort of fanciful ways of using it at kind of big systems level. But I guess what what I really like about this, and perhaps it's because I was an anesthetist and I can really appreciate the value of this, but this genuinely solves a really big problem on the ground floor. And it's so simple. It is literally so simple what you've come up with but i can really genuinely appreciate all of the complications that that you've prevented by something as simple as you know flipping it round from you know pressing a mask on a child's face is first of all a horrible thing to receive but it's also a horrible thing to do especially if the child's combative and then you know, the gas starts coming in and it smells weird and it feels funny and then it gets even worse and then there's panic and then the parents panic and then you panic. <laughs> like yeah, It's just yeah. this absolute, ter- it can just turn into this absolute chaos. And obviously, even from a physiological point of view, having those children go through that is really not very good given that you're going to have to try and, you know, protect their airway at some point and all these different yeah. things. And so there are so many knock-on effects to just having a child that, that isn't going to access the mask on the face but this quite neatly flips it around so that the child all of a sudden wants a mask on their face and i i went through your app and had a look at the videos on google play and you know the vr situation for those listening is that you've got to work pretty hard to blow up a balloon and so yeah. it's telling you to, and it's got a wonderful voiceover by yourself, Kevin. It's like Eamon Holmes is just yeah, like gently telling you. <laughs> it's like absolutely glorious. But it's, it's telling you to work pretty hard to blow this balloon up. And so even as I'm watching this, and bear in mind, I don't have a mask on my face, I'm there going like, <laughs> yeah. trying to blow, trying to blow this balloon up. I'm like, yeah, Kevin's telling me, or Eamon Holmes is telling me that I'm doing a great job. Um, and it's kind of nice. And, and I can see why a child would genuinely want to press the thing on their face in order to blow that balloon up. And then they're taking deeper breaths and all, all this stuff. And so I, I really just enjoyed how practical this is and i can see the kind of knock-on effects that this is likely to have and you mentioned cost effective and all these things and so yeah dude i i yeah loved it from a user perspective and from someone that would be an anesthetist actually using it i imagine you've had similar reactions from other people that have used it yeah there's been there's been good reactions so far um it hasn't been used you know on mass at the minute there's there sort of been, been trial runs of it yeah. here in the hospital in the Belfast Children's Hospital it's been used and hopefully it'll be used shortly in um uh, gland fluid um maybe you can get me into Rexham as well <laughs> no mate I'll, I'll I'll hit Joe and Emma up if they're listening <laughs> It's, it's been it's been received very well, and I think that anybody you know involved in anaesthetics, you know ODP theatre guys, they've, they've all they've all said a similar thing. I've read your article on Forbes and the the recent podcast that you did on the on the VR stuff. Yeah, and that really that really uh, sort of confirms what I've seen over the last couple of years. You know, being involved in this. Um, is that the VR is all very you know doctor or healthcare professional centric. There's no, there's nothing I can see that routinely has the patient as the center. And yeah. I think that, you know, I don't know what your view on simulation training is, but 
there's there's no there's no patient simulation in in that you don't pretend the day that you don't you, you never pretend the day of the operation and so the the pediatric uses of the headset are you know are, are as we discussed but then the adult the adult use case scenario my number one would really be in in private regional orthopedics so you know like a knee or a hip replacement that you're coming yeah. to get your spine off and the model for that would be that you, you would send like i'd sent you out the the little cardboard headset and then you follow a qr code or a link on the on an app or whatever that would then take you to a vr video of your day in Luka, yeah Nuffield, you know whatever the spire hospital in in chester manchester whatever it is yeah meet your surgeon in vr meet your anesthetist in vr tour the hospital in vr then then practice the day of surgery practice yeah. you know what do i bring where do i park where do i sit yeah. who do i who do i see where do i ask and then you practice getting your spinal you know you, you're, you're playing in vr and then you practice hearing the noises of theater you practice what you're going to see in recovery and then you practice you know what you should do whenever you're well enough to go home and and in the same respect that pokemon or peppa pig was giving that child the the ability to relax then whenever you're talking about the you know joe blogs he's 60 years old 70 years old getting his hip or knee replaced what joe wants to know is where do i park what do i bring yeah what's going to happen what's yeah. going to look like what's sound like and then in the operation then the headset can be used i, I think people up and down the country are already already using like ipads above yeah. uh, you know drapes and things the only added advantage of this headset is the integration of the mask and then whether you could give antinox or you could have anti-tidal co2 monitoring if you are running mm. sedation intravenous sedation profile target controlled infusion sedation you know something like that <clears throat> but th that would be the intraoperative use of the of the mask in in the adult and then post-operative then you can just sit there and watch uh whatever you want afterwards you know yeah. on your phone or on the phone of the the clinic whatever they would wish again it's such a good point and what what i think is interesting about what you're saying mate is that what you're describing is is an end-to-end -end solution you're talking about you know shipping the vr thing to them so that they can do this stuff at home way before the operation even starts but then there's a use case for it at every point yeah. And I think different parts of that will be valuable in a different way to different people. But by giving them the opportunity to experience all of it, you're going to pick up the best parts of it for the best individuals and the horses for courses and all of that. But but by by serving it end to end, you're far more likely to solve a problem for, for those people, wherever it is they're likely to experience that problem. And I think, you know, it'd be really interesting, wouldn't it, to, to have... A study, if if this was at all possible, where you 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 delivered that for a few patients or a lot of patients, and you just figured out what the circulating adrenaline was for people at the point of induction, yeah. and yeah. you you figured out, you know, are we actually going to use less anaesthetic drug if for these people? Are they going to be less anxious? Do they have less when it comes to worry beforehand? Do they have less when it comes to complications afterwards even if we're really going to go down the line with this and figure out the health economics i mean it would be 
very interesting. And I know, I know that people are doing elements of that. I know I have heard of people definitely doing the, the, the journey beforehand of surgery, whether that's through an iPad or, or other things. And I think VR as well. I think that bit is being talked about and done in a few areas, but I think that kind of end to end bit, I, I think is very interesting and would, would just bring so much value because it is so practical. And I think when you mention, you know, it's not that patient centric, it's more clinician centric. Yeah. I think you're right. I think largely the, the patient bits that I've heard of are things like using it as sort of a, an adjunct for pain relief if someone's having a procedure or bits like that. I've not heard it as you've described as a kind of an end to end in terms of education and then sort of almost therapeutic and, and, and bits in the sort of the during and the after. But yeah, I totally agree, man. I think it, it's, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely a place for it. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and then the, um, the guys in, in Henley medical, you know, the guys who make the, the anesthetic stickers. Okay. The, yeah. For the drugs. So, They've been um, absolutely brilliant. Um, they've, they've been on board this last two, three years, um, and they've they've really taken it wholeheartedly. And um, there's a gentleman, Michael Horsey, who who have been working with the last couple of years, who's who's really been uh, you know a champion of the product within you know within the healthcare devices realm. Um, and and they've recently uh, secured an order uh, so that the, the headset will be available to buy you know from from them. Their initial confidence in the product was was what really sped it on. Um, yeah. Would you like me to tell you the the, the journey of the, the of the funding and the design of it? Or please do, mate. So it was it was the time that I, I'd come back then to work in in Glencluid, and um, I was put in contact with a body Agor IP um, Open Intellectual Property in in Welsh, and uh, they're a body based from Swansea University that um, are, we're looking for. You know, solid product innovation to do in a number of spheres, but healthcare was one of them. Um, and they were offering funding rounds, you know, for you know development of, of physical products. And so um, got in touch with them, went through various rounds and secured, you know, a first tranche of funding. And then was lucky enough to work with Design Reality, another company based in North Wales uh, around St. Asif. Um, and they were they were exquisite. So I had these terrifically crude cardboard headsets, <laughs> had 3D printed headsets. It was it was it was terrible. Like design and uh, design and uh, making and crafting aren't aren't my strong points. And <laughs> um, the, these guys, the, the design reality team, were excellent. You know, and they, they they're involved in making firefighter masks. They're big into fit testing. They, they had huge experience with yeah. you know mask design, headset design. And so my, my mangled piece of cardboard that they made into this product um, is, you know, it took them five minutes basically. You know, it was yeah. little buns to them, um, and they, they were they were excellent. Any 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 deadline that they had, any you know, it was it was it was great working with them. But it all takes so long. Um, it's taken you know it's taken you know a couple of years from from that point until the point we're at now. Um, you know, with the headset available, to, you know, available to buy, I was I was very lucky with the people I met in, in in design reality and Henley Medical. I was going to say, you know, get, you know, getting the right partners on board and getting just meeting the right people is it's a mixture of hard work and luck, right? I mean, you always make your own luck in these sorts of things, and I think you obviously 
being diligent and figuring out, you know, what is the best way for me to actually do this and getting the right partners on board was obviously a, a, a really big step for you. I mean, what would you, what would your advice be? Because I mean, this is a pretty inspiring story, I suppose, for a lot of clinicians that are seeing a problem in their organisation. They might use a bit of technology in a different part of their lives that could be useful and used. But I think a lot of people, and bearing in mind, I come from a QI background and that's how I ended up getting involved in innovation. And so I was always someone that questioned things and ended up going like, what if this, what if that, which led me to where I am now. But I suppose for the people that are a bit stuck or indeed they've got an idea and they work in a hospital and they want to do something for their patients with technology, what would your advice be to them? I think never spend any of your own money. <laughs> first of all, first and foremost, I think that there there are there are streams of funding available, and even though this headset is a folded piece of cardboard, it's in the tens of thousands of pounds that the investment has been up until this point. And so, for any other piece of technology or 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 software, indeed, then it, the the investment is likely to end up. At some point in 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 that in those figures prior to you you know going to market, and that that would be the number one thing because I think you know as clinicians um you know we we are an adequate money to have a you know adequate life but you don't you don't have that kind of disposable yeah you know, I don't anyway you don't really have that kind of disposable income and I think that for me as someone who wants to continue in in, in clinical work. Um, it's it's not it's not to my benefit to 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 create that risk that personal financial risk you know with regard to this and and through Agor IP I was I was lucky enough through their model they gave the the design and you know intellectual property monies to get all that end of it sorted and then there there's a share of revenue if it makes any money but then there's no there's no demand on money. Yeah, and I think that if you get into that scenario, that's that's route one. And I think for you know for everybody at the earliest stage, particularly clinicians, I think that's that is such good advice. And it's you're on a you know you're on a different journey to to a lot of people in the sense that you know you are staying in clinical practice. You don't sound wed to the idea of building a billion dollar business in medical devices and all these no. different things. But no. what you are interested in is solving a problem for your patients and your fellow clinicians. And you're just seeing where that goes. And I like that because it's it's a very honest appraisal of where you are and what you want to achieve and what your goal is with this. And I think you've managed to do a deal from a business sense, which means that you haven't got any extra pressure that you don't want or need, but you've managed to bring money into the company in order to build the device. And so it seems like you've <laughs> got the best of all the worlds, mate, quite frankly. And yeah. it sounds ideal. From a personal perspective, you know. Yeah, no, it's 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 so ideal for me. Um, you know, I, I think I went over to to see the guys in in Henley Medical there before <clears throat> before lockdown. I can't remember exactly when, but it was a few months ago. Um, you know, and I sat down and I said, look, I I I, I said I don't care if this make, makes money. I just wanted to work. <laughs> yeah. And it, it really it really took them aback, and I suppose that you know it, it's 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 two different it's two different worlds because you know I my idea is that you know i'm never going to starve i'm happy you know working away and 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 that that's my number one but you know i, I had 
you know, faith in this project, you know, yeah. to work. Hopefully it will work. Um, and, and that's how I've approached it, um, you know, because <laughs> I am so lucky in, in, in that I have, you know, the, the job that I, I love doing. But this is just like a, a, a side thing you know, you know, but I, do you know what I, th- I think for first of all i think you're doing yourself a bit of a disservice they're probably a bit too humble but secondly i think it is important for people to realize that in order to do something in health tech you don't need to build a billion dollar business if you and, and i find this a lot in clinicians that find a problem that are able to solve it is that there is a lot of localism in the system in the sense that you can spot a local problem and you can build a local solution that fits for your patient groups and the way that you do things and, and, and things like that. And that is okay. It doesn't need to be particularly, although this is, it doesn't need to be particularly scalable or all those different things. And, but I think that is a conversation that we need to have, you know, on this podcast, I think, you know, perhaps we're guilty of it here in the sense that, you know, we always talk about the billion dollar businesses and the, you know, raising hundreds of millions of pounds and all this stuff. <clears throat> but ultimately I think if it helps patients and it gets people better in a, in a local geography, a regional geography, a, a national geography, you know, whatever it is, is still great. And I think that's what I've, I, I've liked about this in the sense that, you spotted a problem with some technology that you liked and enjoyed using yourself. And so actually you found a way to, to serve it to your patients. And I guess this is scalable. It is likely to do well. It is likely to solve a problem. And I suppose whether it's your device or, or a different one or whatever happens all around the world, at least you're part of the journey to solving a problem for patients. And I think that's your impact driven. And I think that is so many of us in the sector are impact driven, which is really nice. I guess my question then is for the people listening, <clears throat> excuse me, who are you looking to get your message out to in terms of a, this thing exists, B it works, C we want to look at some trials maybe. I mean, what, what are you kind of up to with it and who do you want to reach and what do you want to tell them? I think that the, the next part of it will be, you know, some form, some form of trial. Um, I was quite keen to, you know, divorce myself from any any kind of trial because I'm, I'm of course, I'm going to say it's the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd love, so, you know, someone to you know, to probably approach Henley, I suppose, because they they have the the masks in the in the warehouse, and just say that, you know, look, we want to do X, you know, and you were speaking about health economics earlier, and there there was a, a chap I was talking to a few weeks ago, you know, who was saying. You know, to sell a product to the NHS, this product has to save money. This is quite difficult to to show. <laughs> and and one, of, one of the only ways that we were trying to work out about how this product may or may not save money was the gross weight of the sevoflurane, the, the gas induction agent that, yeah, you know, that we use. So if you had, you know, 10 lists of using the headset and 10 lists of, you know, standard practice, you know, it, what, if any, sevoflurane, you know, w- would you would save? Would you save, you know, yeah. You're not having that fight at the start of... Uh, yeah, so there's so there's less gas for those listening. So that means there's kind of, there's less anesthetic gas escaping into the anesthetic room and it, there's more of it going into the patient because they're holding it on their own face. And as we've said, they're taking better breaths and all that sort of stuff. So that's, I suppose, where you're trying to make the money or make the saving. Yeah. Make the saving. And I, I find that very interesting as well, you know, because... You know, I came from the sort of ideological standpoint. I'm sure you're the same, James. You know, you, you, you know, in our positions, we just want to do best for patients. Well, that's an interesting point, man, because at the end of the day, it increases the quality of care. 
It increases the quality of care for the patient. And, and I think that's where it gets a bit funny in a, in a system like ours, where you're right, you have to demonstrate savings in order to bring something in. So not only does something have to improve the quality of care, it also has to make a saving. And that's where it gets, it gets weird. If you were looking at a US model where actually the, the patients are pretty much consumers and they can choose, they have choice over where they put their money or their, you know, insurance, whatever it's different because you can, you, those hospitals are companies basically and that, you know, they can bring things in, which gives them a competitive advantage, which means more patients are going to choose them. So it's a different way of looking at it. So it's far more likely to take off in a place like that, but you're right. It, it does, be, it does become very difficult. I think, I think that was just the, the, the odd, the odd thing, the, the way I approached it, you know, I thought, you know, oh, if you sell something cheaply enough or, you know, cost effectively enough, then people will buy it. But it, that, that, that's not, not the case within the energy. Indeed. Welcome to health tech, my friend. (laughs) We talk about this podcast all the time, all the time. But yeah, so who, yeah, I suppose anesthetists that are looking to integrate this into, because at the end of the day as well, mate, look, this, this does solve a problem for anesthetists themselves personally in their job. And yes, you can argue that the the department or the hospital should pay or, or whatever it is. But like at the end of the day, if I, if I could just have a device in my pocket, which, okay, fine, I bought it myself, but actually it makes my on my life a lot easier. It makes my patients feel better, which makes me feel better and everybody gets a better anesthetic and you know, everyone's a bit happier, then I might be inclined to just pay for it myself at the end of the day. Yeah, um, yeah, so I don't know if you've seen any of that. Not at the minute. Um, I think it, it really hasn't been for sale up until, up oh, until fine. now, okay. basically. You know? So um, nice. if the, the, the headsets that have been used have been the one, the, the first... Uh, production on that I bought myself, um, and then I've, I've given them to you know consultant colleagues, mm. um, and then then they've used them, um, and you know the, the feedback has been has been very very positive. Um, that app that um, I've done the great voiceover on, uh, <laughs> that, that 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 was that's only a, that's only a two or three weeks old as well. Um, so the the making that app i've tried to make various apps over over a number of years to to no success but the this recent app was a chap halarazard from uh fiverr guy based in pakistan amazing he was great and it was just it's been so cost effective to to make that and it's just it's quite simple but it it kind of does the job you know yeah it just does enough yeah Um, and look for um, early stage entrepreneurs listening, or people that want to be early stage entrepreneurs listening. There's an example of being resourceful. You know, just go on Fiverr and pay someone yeah. to get this done. Like, which was the MVP product. But actually, I've looked at the thing, man. That will do the job because yeah. at the end of the day, it's it's an immersive environment which looks quite nice, and there's a balloon to blow up. So, like, yeah. what, what else yeah. really do you need? <laughs> no, none, none. Um, but yeah, like it was. That, that's what I find interesting with this whole process is the communication of you know myself with with non-medics. I mm. think that um, as an atheist and or as doctors or whatever, whenever you get longer and older in the tooth, you just seem to be speaking with you know anaesthetic colleagues. Mm. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. Yeah. You know, I love my anaesthetic colleagues, but it's just that you get quite siloed and quite. Uh, it's quite a one-mind track, and especially yeah. with, you know, with regard to training. Um, you know, I've stepped back into training now, and 
I, you know, I, I feel like I'm back on the rails. You yeah. know, all this innovation, all this uh, work, uh, you know, thinking all came whenever I was outside of training. Yeah. Um, and I said, you had the time and you had the headspace. It's the same. Yeah, yeah, same with me, man. And again, you know, something that we talked about on here is the... Uh, yeah, the the pressures of that training and and the you know the how our staff are squeezed so much that yeah. it doesn't leave a lot of room to actually change the system, and so it requires that thinking from outside and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it's it, it it's a shame, quite frankly, that 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 is the case. But at least people like yourself have, have taken those chances to to get out for a bit and and do that work and stuff. One thing I just wanted to mention though, as well, yeah. on the on the health economics point, I think. You know, the, the, the leaking of sevoflurane and stopping that is is one element. Uh, but again, I, I come back to this point of like, I would just wonder if if you gave this, if, if let's say every single anesthetic in the country, in the world, was done using this method of the end-to-end VR experience for educating them beforehand for you know, appeasing or, or relieving their anxiety in the in the operating room and then helping them with a less stressful recovery as well. I just wonder what that would do to the sort of hours of work when it comes to reduction of pain, reduction of pain relief necessary, complications arising from experiencing all of that stuff after surgery, as well as all the complications that might happen in the room. You know, it only has to be one serious incident that you prevent from an overly panicked child for it to become like all of a sudden, this is actually some real demonstrable savings. Now you're going to really struggle to demonstrate that putting this through a couple of anesthetics in a couple of patients or even indeed a couple of hospitals over a couple of mm-hmm. weeks. But, you know, you, it just makes me wonder, you know, if you were to do it at that level, and that's extremely difficult to do and hypothesize, but I think I think a way of, of probably selling this is to go to clinical directors and to just say that, look, at the end of the day, you and I can sit here and have a very honest conversation about the fact that this is going to solve a big problem for your anesthetists and the patients that come through this hospital. And so you could almost make an emotive sale on, <clears throat> do you guys want to be known for somebody who was on the right side of the fence in bringing this in? Or actually, do you want to say no to me right now for something that is relatively cheap and that you know is going to increase the quality of, of care for the people coming through your hospital? And I think it's very difficult to say no, um, although they can easily point to the budget line, I suppose. But I think... Uh, it's going to be so difficult for you to to pre- present the health economics that actually, for me, it's more just the case of, look, this is going to increase the quality of care. It's going to make the jobs of your clinicians a lot easier as well as the lives of your patients. And so surely if something is, is relatively cheap to onboard that you know is going to have all these knock-on effects and that you know that over a long period of time will prevent a serious incident at some point, then why not buy it? I guess is <laughs> my very biased <laughs> thinking as a as a ground floor anaesthetist. So. Yeah, but I think that you know historically, I think that the you know the anaesthetic department has always been you know the, you know the, the poor man of theatre really. You mm. know the, the, the surgical equipment, the surgical side of things. It, you know, <laughs> Such a good point. Yeah, is is the winner in in healthcare spending? Yeah, let's just buy a new robot. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we're, we're arguing over the the price of uh, you know our anti sickness medicine on Banzatron. That's such a so, good point. You know, so I think that the the other angle of this is then that we, we we've tried to sell to 
or trying to sell to the, the play specialists and trying to sell, you know, to, to okay, yeah, budgets, and also trying to access surgical budgets, you know, within the, you know, within dental, within dental budgets as a as a as an adjunct there, yeah, and uh, you know, I think that the you know the, the lowest hanging fruit I believe, you know, for the for the headset is the you know the phone focused autistic child having their teeth, you know, having, having yeah. a dental procedure, um, you know. If it can be used in in there, and then that as a you know, hopefully people would see the benefit of that with with, with that certain demographic of child, and then you know, you know from there, then you know expand it out. Nice, and so for for those people listening, and and for you to sort of talk to them for a sec, who is it that you're looking to? have an ask for is it is it that you want anesthetists to get in touch with you is it clinical directors is it all of the above yeah who do you want to who do you want to yeah. reach what do you want to say to them I'm, I'm really happy to speak with anyone and i think that uh, you know anesthetists anesthetic trainees um you know the guys i've worked with you know guys from wales uh, like yourself james and the, you know the guys i've worked with in, in scotland you know we're, uh, we're in contact at the moment but if anybody else you know wants to you know, drop me a message. The it's called the Rafferty Distraction Headset.com is the is the website. And then there's a there's a messaging feature on that or I'm on LinkedIn or whatever um as well under Kevin Rafferty. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm really, you know, would love to speak to anyone who who would like to to trial it. Um and then also if you'd wish to purchase it then I think it's retailing now for about nine ninety five inclusive of that. And, and that will be through through Henley's Medical, um, and you could just go onto their page and then then drop them an email or or, or give them a ring. Um, <laughs> I mean, for the sake of for the sake of ten quid, I mean, oh my god! <laughs> like, yeah. surely, so, surely every department should just buy one. I mean, like, what? Yeah, yeah. So it's it, it's it, it's you know uh, you know what it, what what's ten quid anymore? You know, it's uh, you know looking at children, like looking at I did my pediatric. You know, placement there a few months ago, and you know the poor wee ones coming in. You know, for any procedure, you know they're sort of draped in toys, and you know, say, oh, what's what did that LOL doll cost? Yeah. <laughs> Another twenty quid for the small little little thing. But yeah, yeah. I didn't realise it was so cheap, mate. I've actually changed my mind on any sort of health economics chat that we've had, and I would just say to every anaesthetist that does anything with kids, just just buy one. <laughs> like it's going to make your life a lot easier. Just buy it, <laughs> dude. Awesome having you on, man. Great to catch yeah, up. I love the chat with you, James. And yeah, I'm. Let's let's catch up soon, I suppose. Um, but yeah, good luck with it. So you're based in Belfast, right? Yeah, based in Belfast at the minute. Currently working in the the Royal ICU in Belfast, so the the big ICU, the tertiary centre, and in, in our only tertiary centre in, in Northern Ireland. And yet, having a great time. Um, I was so well, been so well treated in, in Belfast, um, uh, and I was working in the Ulster Hospital as well, just outside of Belfast. Oh, nice. Um, well, dude, next time you're over, give me a shout, and uh, I'll definitely do the same. I was actually in Ireland not not that long ago, giving you a talk. Um, at Cork, but it's quite far away from Belfast. But that's um, the other end, yeah. <laughs> I did, I did, I did yeah. find my way over that side. But yeah. anyway, I'll give you a shout, dude. But yeah, great having you on, man. And uh, yeah, let's catch up soon. Lovely. Thanks, James. Bye bye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. And you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media, so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content. 